maybe you're wondering, what is this about? In my church, we've never had Vision Sunday. Well, none of mine did we either. <laughs> we just felt like it's super important to make sure that as a community, we're on the move together, moving forward together. And part of the, what we have to do is keep looking back and saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. Building these altars of worship and praise and gratitude to God, saying, look at what you've done. And then looking forward and saying, God, actually, we want to be a people of vision. The Bible does challenge us in, in Proverbs 29 that without vision, people perish. You need a vision for your marriage. Otherwise, your marriage will perish. You need a vision for your life. You need a vision for your story. You need to find vision. But finding vision is the key. Finding vision in Jesus, His grace, His goodness. But where we start, as always, is thank you. Thank you for the salvations. Thank you for the baptism. Thank you for life. No, you will very seldom come to a behind-the-scenes meeting with staff or leaders or whatever where it's, it's numbers that were in a room or it's that. It's, it's the stories. It's people. I, I get to look at those photos of Josh and Jerry. I remember the day that the hall was very different and the building was different, and I heard this guy singing U2 in the hall here, and it was our drummer, Jerry, who I'd never heard sing before and didn't even know he could play guitar. And now he's now leading worship at Century City. And God sent a young man at the age of about 11 or 12 from Zambia who could barely speak English, who navigated massive trial and challenge to stand up as a leader in our community. And, and he's calling people to worship God. And I'm going, thank you, God, for those stories. Do it again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Thank you for the breakthroughs. Thank you for the leaders who are stepping up. Thank you for new life groups planning. Thank you for Century City and what you've done there. We don't normally run between our congregations, but on Vision Sunday, I get the privilege of just sharing something of the vision across the congregations and even driving there, arriving and realizing, oh, the car park's full. It sounds like a stupid thing, and maybe it's not important to you, but I remember thinking, yo, we'll never fill this car park. And, and yet God has added people, cars of people. There's lives behind that. There's stories encountering grace. I'm looking across the room and going, oh, I know your story. Oh, I know you. You were a leader in the church and, and, and things went wrong. But now you're hearing the grace, gospel of grace and God's raising you up again. I'm going, thank you, God. Do it again. And so we celebrate that. I also want to share something of an incredible testimony. If you're new to the church, you won't know. But this building wasn't financed by some international dollar-based foundation it just wasn't. It, this building was built by 70 or 80 people who were part of a community that said, we believe God wants to do something in the city of Cape Town in this area, and they sowed. Their time, their talents, their treasures, everything. And then the same community went, 20 years later, went on a journey of saving and trusting God for more, and we've had the privilege of purchasing as we planted Century City seven or eight years ago now, and then purchasing a building there. And part of that journey has been the saving over many years and the giving and, and, and put towards that. And then there was also a bank part of it where the bank financed about 50% of the loan. But I want to tell you that not some dollar-based organization, some South African RONT. Say RONT. I like RONT. South African RONT Church in the nation of South Africa sowed a million rand into our purchase that's got nothing to do with them, but they wanted to see, to see us advance in the city of Cape Town. I think that's phenomenal. That's when the kingdom of God is a move. There was no cajoling. There were no emails sent far and wide saying, please send us a buck. It's just not how we do it. And we trust God and God provides every time. But 25 years of God's faithfulness, 25 years of salvations, breakthroughs. I want to tell you, after 25 years, adventures await. And, and, and I don't know if God's got us here for the rest of our lives or he's got us for a season. But as long as I'm here in the city of Cape Town, I want to see people set alive with the life of Christ. I preached it a few weeks ago that the church is the building of people who used to be dead, and God raised them to life. That's what the Bible says. It says you were dead in your sins. 
dead. And when we forget that, we forget the wonder of the gospel and what it has done and achieved and won in our lives. I wrote this a few years ago. I want to read it because I think it's pretty cool. It says this, I believe in the power of the local church, not to follow the world, but to lead, not called to, in, to be influenced, but to influence, not set, a, set apart to hide, but set apart to shine for his glory, not called to be a church on a block, but a city on a hill, not boring in its ventures, but risk-taking in the goodness of their God, not impotent slaves waiting for their master's return, but empowered sons and daughters taking ground in his power. The church is awesome. She has never been more challenged, but she has also never been more full of potential. The vision for and of the local church is never any man's. Then it is of the world and will always lack power of heaven's army behind it. The vision for and of the local church is the vision of the bride, of his bridegroom, the one he lived and died for, the one he will return for, and we eagerly await with expectation his return and the privilege of partnering with heaven in seeing earth invaded for his glory. It's a reminder of our mission. So I just want to tell you, if you're new to the church, you've been a part of the church for a while, the mission doesn't change. It's still on the wall. It's cool because it saves on printing costs because we can just keep it on the wall. No, I'm joking. It's not why we do it. It's because the mission doesn't change. Top line, to reach far. To reach those who are far from God. Not to reach those who are just far from church, far from religion. No, those who are far from God. The Bible uses offensive language called lost. And then you got Luke 15, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, that, that those who are lost, that are in dead in their sins, God's called you and I to be a part of a story of reaching people for the lost. And sometimes we forget that as the church. We get comfortable in our zone. We get comfortable in our story. And we forget what God has done. God's got to remind us and keep us awake and remind us that as an organization, we are not centered on Sunday. We are Monday to Friday, Saturday people, depending on how you work, where you work. We are those people, we live for the opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And I want to charge you if you've never done it. And I know people who've been in church for years, and that's okay. But I want to give you uh, something of an appetite. If you tell someone about Jesus and see the lights come on in their eyes for the first time about how they are loved by God, I promise you there's not a more exhilarating feeling in this world. You can kick the winning kick in any World Cup. Rugby, soccer, cricket. I don't know what other World Cups there are. I don't think you can kick it in cricket, though, actually, now that I think about that. You can't do that, because then you lose. But in rugby and soccer, I promise you, it doesn't even come anywhere near. Secondly, I want to remind us in the story that God is, that our mission is to raise people up. That we're called to take people, whatever state they come in. And people have come into this church in every and kind of state. And I have heard every kind of story. And sometimes, I'm, by the grace of God, there are confessions I've heard that I have forgotten. Let me just publicly, and it's the grace of God, to be brutally honest. Otherwise, I might not sleep particularly well every night. But by the grace of God, he's raised people up, and it happens within community. And I just want to charge you and challenge you. You will grow in community to the degree to which you give yourself to God's community. And, and someone said to me the other day, stop telling us to go to our home group. I'm busy. I said, I won't. Because you can busy, be busy for the rest of your life and not grow. And I'm convinced to my inner core that people grow in smaller groups where Christ is at the center. I'm convinced to my inner core that you can go on a million self-helps to self-actualize, but unless you go on a journey of intentional community, you will never fully walk into everything that God's got for you unless you will submit yourself and bring yourself into community. So we've got pictures on the wall if you want to know what the life group leaders look like before you go there. Go have a look, but go. Step into more. 
And lastly, to release wide for the kingdom of God. We got a gentleman coming from Ireland. I don't even know. I was going to do an Irish accent, but it's going to fall badly. But he's coming to preach in a few weeks' time. You know why? Because in the, in, in, in the movement of the world, God took a group of, of people who were part of our, centuries, uh, our city plant and leaders with them, and God moved them through careers and jobs and opportunities, and they just somehow all ended up in Lion Island, and they needed a home, so they went to a church plant. And now this guy's inherited a whole bunch of life changes people who were raised in this community and who were released out for the kingdom of God, celebrated in their journey, and now are leading in a church in Ireland, and he's going, I like you guys because I like your fruit. People, people, not a story on Instagram, people who are making a difference on the other side of the world. Why? Because the Spirit of God came into their lives. People got around them. And so we called to be releasing actuaries and accountants. And what are those other clever guys who count the numbers? The, the, um, that's the one I'm looking for. Nah, they're not that clever. No, I'm <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with me. But it is Vision Sunday. And just to share some of the things that are on the go in the life of the church one of the things is we've had many um, endeavors, and, and through the years, we obviously released Wayne and Jen and are leading Faith Village and are doing incredibly well, leading the church in Danoon, and they are probably rocking it right now. But, but God has still called us to ministries of grace and mercy and justice into our city. And so we are, have launched and are launching the Life Changes Movement. It sounds like a sexy name. It was the only one we could get from the registry board, but I like it. God has called us to be a people on the move. And we have registered an MPC that gives Section 18A opportunities so we can continue to partner as we have done for 25 years in upliftment into our area, into our city, into people, and continue to partner into endeavors from feeding schemes to readings, whatever it is, um, development, we're going to continue to do that. So if you want to hear more about that, come talk to us. If you're in that game and you're saying, actually, that's my passion, come and talk to us. And, and let's continue to see those things invested and released uh, there's the youth, and I wanted to share a whole bunch of things that are rocking and laugh kids. Um, one of the things, and you'll notice over the last couple of weeks, particularly, we have been quite full in this facility. We are in incredibly exciting conversations with the city to be able to develop both this facility and Century City with minor adjustments to be able to really make uh, uh, seating a little bit more spacious and spacious for parking, that kind of stuff. So please pray. I can't share all the details now, but pray. We just want what God has for us. And, and if God's got something for us, he'll move mountains. And, and, and so we're trusting him. And then lastly, as we release couples like Wayne and Jen to plant in the city, we've had other church plants from this church that are still running in, in Brackenfell, in Jeffreys Bay, as you saw Murray. We also are called to raise and release people within our community. And a number of years ago, um, before I arrived, God sent a lady named Crystal to our church. That's that one. And um, she has been on an incredible journey of encountering God's grace. She is an entrepreneur, runs her own business. But then she met a guy named Michael. Maybe you know Michael? Stand up for us, guys. And Michael arrived. He knew something of God. And um, don't clack for them yet. They haven't done anything yet. You don't know. Maybe they're being disciplined. You don't know. But, but they um, came. Michael arrived at this church knowing something of God. And, um, but then had been struggling with depression for 10 years of his life, through his teenage years into his early 20s. And in a moment, as you as a community worshipped, he got set free instantly, and since that day has never stepped back. 
has never taken a backward step and has continued to step up and step into more. And um, we have just seen their growth. They uh, are married. The, um, Crystal's full-time in her job and her business. Michael oversees our care ministry and the operations of the table community. But God is calling them to more. So it's, it's super exciting to let you know that we're sending them to India to lead a church. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Sorry, that wasn't... We're not sending them anywhere. <laughs> but I love your passion. You are a passionate people. <laughs> Michael and Crystal are going to be taking over the leadership of our 5 p.m. congregation. And, um, and let me give you a little punt. It's an amazing congregation that is every week from young kids to older people. There's everything in between. And if you ever can't come in the morning, come in the evening. But the exciting news is as Gabe and Fee oversee our Century City congregations, Michael and Crystal are going to be leading our 5 p.m. And it's really cool to be able to release leaders who God has raised up in the midst. So they're not going to India. Just leave me. So I made the joke in the first service. Some people are very worried. Very, Mark will never last in India. I've been to India. <laughs> yeah. But Vision 2024. And if you came in late, you might not have seen it, but it's quite simply this, build my life. In some ways, it's not as sexy as some of the previous. We've had like move the mountains. That sounds like, that's yes, that's a Vision Sunday. Build my life is a little bit like in the ground, a little bit. But I am more excited than ever before that God is going to do amazing things in our lives. And there are two key factors to how I got here in terms of something of a vision for us in this next season. Number one is I have been in a building project. It was delayed for about five years. Got the plans about five years ago. And then with health challenges, my wife and a thing called COVID and then health challenges with my son. And then we were buying a field and that was our priority. God allowed us in the last quarter of last year to do something of a housing, a, a building project on our house, which we've needed to do for a long time. I knew that because agents were phoning me, real estate agents, every three or four times a week. And they were saying, do you want to know the value of the house? But they were really saying, you look like you need money. That's what they were saying. You know, they have just an amazing way of saying that. So I needed to do that. And then secondly, a mate of mine who is a master builder, and I brought him quotes, and he said, you're getting horribly ripped off. I'm going to run the project for you and um, help you get through this, because I can see you know nothing, which was an answer to prayer. But now, after four or five months, I'm actually something of a builder. So I want to share with you my top tips, just because I can. Number one, simply this, Spend a little more on the architectural process. Now, I really do like the guy who helped us design our, but it was quite flippant for me. It was like, could you design something? And then everyone said, you'll make changes as you go. So I wasn't too stressed. But I realized that changes as you go are far more expensive than changes in the plans up front. And I realized I need, you need to give more time to the architect. Secondly, use a master builder. Because when those changes came, I had a guy named Henry who is very creative. And we had a conundrum because a beam had to go in in the one area of our house. And the, the engineer said, it's awesome. We can put a beam in, but we're just going to have to chop away the whole top level of your house. I'm like, ooh. Henry said, no. What we will do is we'll take six bottle jacks. Yes, the car jacks from your car. We will put them through the wall, and we will hold the whole wall up and suspend it. To which the structural engineer said, that's a great idea. I just won't back it, but, and I won't sign it. But it worked. Good news, it worked. We did it, and it worked. Carrying on, the things that often matter the most are often unseen. 
And I was clueless. I've never built anything. Like, I, I, I don't know how to build anything. So then they came and said, well, actually, this guy I've called a structural engineer. I've realized now he's quite an important guy. If you're one of those, you're important. Because basically, you tell me everything the architect drew is expensive. That's your job. But he arrived with a compaction tester. It's like the steel rod with this like steel ball at the top that he drops and he drops and he drops. And it should stop here as the stand stops it. Then it should drop a little further and it tests the strength of the soil. He came to my house. He put it up. He said, let's test. And he dropped it and it just went woof. So he said, oh. He moved it over. Just woof. He says, we have a problem. So this is going to work. It's just going to be very expensive. Because we live in an area that were just sand dunes. It's just sand, like the worst kind of sand in the world. And so in the foundation of our building that you will never see, that no one will ever go, wow, those are cool. There's steel and cement that cost a lot of money. And so you realize you've got to spend the money down there. You've got to invest in the foundations. And it's the same for our spiritual lives. Count the cost. Fourthly, cornerstone. We couldn't find the cornerstone of our building. Now, when they built some of these brand new areas that we live in, um, they would have put a cornerstone, but we couldn't find us. So the net result is we've lost 10 centimeters of our property we've donated to our neighbors because we built wrong. But it's all good and everyone's happy. Um, count the cost. Building's expensive. And I'm calling this because our theme, our, our, our focus for the year is build my life. But I want to tell you, if you're going to build your life, it's going to be costly. Somehow, somewhere, it's a, there's a costly reality to building, and that's good for us. To end off, to build strong, I mentioned the sand in our area, but, but they put a, a one pillar, that we've got one pillar that holds up just this little area we opened up, and I realized that whole pillar is holding up everything above it. And I thought, wow, that's quite amazing, that that one skinny pillar can hold it up, but it's, you've got to build it strong. I wasn't talking about you, Michael, I was talking about the pillar. <laughs> you were smiling at me, like, why, when you said skinny pillar, you're talking about me, and I wasn't. But choose materials that were lost. And for the Afrikaans people in the community, khutkup is dirkup. Lekker dung. It's about as much Afrikaans as you're getting from here. But it's true. If you're going to go buy cheap, you're going to pay later because it's going to be more expensive. And I've realized as I've come around a master builder and Henry, I'd say, Henry, isn't there a cheap option? He says, there is. But it's going to cost you. I'm like, okay. Anyway, so that's my personal world for the last four months. We've been living behind shut supply walls that people said will keep all the dust out. So I sold that to my wife. It'll keep all the dust out. We can live here the whole process. But we're good and marriage is good. Thank you. <laughs> the bigger issue. A census was done in 2022 of South Africa. And here's the net result. 85.3% of South Africans identify as Christian. 85.3%. Now, that's amazing. We should go, that's incredible. That's awesome. And I do. I celebrate that, and I think it's awesome. But where I struggle is when I look at the rape statistics. Where I struggle is where I look at the fraud statistics. Where I struggle is where I look at other percentages of chaos in the world. And I realize there's a disconnect between those who, ex who state Jesus as Lord to what that should look like in a nation. And if we can get that right, if we can get that believing or ticking a box to being a life built upon the rock that is Jesus, we can change a nation. I believe Jesus wants to and can, is able to change this nation. But how are we going to do that? Well, you know we're going to do it one by one. One brick in the wall at a time.
placed in the right part, with the cornerstone in the right part, by the power of the Spirit of God, with the right part built together, called the church, it will change the nation. And those two things have come together. And so we, as 2024, believe God has called us to be a people where he's going to build our lives. James 1 says this, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Oh, Mark, but you've just preached a gospel for five weeks and you told us it's all done in Jesus. It is. And Ephesians tells us you have received every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Every single, you have, you've received it. But the Bible also reminds us that then we get to stand on the solid rock that is Jesus. And by his grace and his grace alone, he gives us the ability to build our lives. And that is obedience to the word of God. Now, it's not a popular word, obedience. The challenge is the Great Commission comes, says actually, take the gospel to all the ends of the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Done. No. It says, and teach them. Teach them how to obey everything I have commanded. As a teacher of the gospel in a nation that says 85% of us, 0.3, believe in Jesus, as a teacher and a teachers within a nation, we have failed. But the gospel says, there's always hope in Jesus. The gospel says, keep trusting. The gospel says keep teaching, keep reaching, keep lifting up, keep raising up leaders, keep releasing men and women to more. And so what is build my life? Well, the question comes, what are you building? What are you building in your life, in your family? What are you building in your family? It's the little things that don't necessarily always matter. It's, it's the, the, I came home one day and the whole little section of wall was about a half a meter out. Now, to me, I just thought they could just chop off that section, plaster up the side, and everyone moves on. I'm happy. So I confidently went to the building. Hey, just to let you know, that's, that's all. And his whole face just went like this. No, it didn't. He did, but he did look sad. And then I realized, because he knew that to just move that little section meant the whole wall had to come down. Every brick needed to be cleaned off of the wet cement so they could build it strong again, because he wasn't going to build something that wasn't going to stand. And I'm telling you, even as we go this year, my prayer is that God would come into the foundations that are weak, into the areas that are wrong in our lives where we haven't built on Jesus the rock. And as we would trust him, he would start to build something that will change not just a church, not just a city, but a nation. And God will raise up men and women who are prepared to stand on Jesus the rock. Now, again, move the mountains sounds amazing to me. And God has called us to be a people who move mountains because he's a God who can. But he needs a people who will obey. And so we need to be taught. And so we want to take a year of looking at all these things. That's the challenge of the gospel. It says this, and this is the challenge that Jesus brings to a song we used to sing in Sunday school. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, house upon the rock. See all the Sunday school kids, they'll come alive. (laughs) Look at me. The lady singing with me, her husband is sick at home. He sent me a, a traffic fine she received. She said, could you show this to my wife, please? <laughs> I'll give it to you afterwards. Um, so what happens with people sick at home watching church. Jesus, back to Jesus, people, sorry. Matthew 7. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want that testimony for my life. I want my children to be able to say that. See, it's one thing someone else is watching from a distance saying that at a work function. He says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it, it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. crash. You know what's exactly the same about both scenarios? Is the rains came down, the winds blew, the streams rose. That happened in both. There's this really bad theology being preached in church. I come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. And we run and the church runs to, to prophetic voices who at the start of every year, this is going to be your year of increase. But no one's saying trust God. No one's saying build on the foundation that is Jesus. No one's saying actually you want financial increase. Awesome. Trust God. Build your life around his ways. Stop ripping off the tax man. Controversial. Do I like paying tax? No. You're not supposed to. But God says, honor the authorities in your nation. So you're going to trust his supply or your ability to not give. It's just that foundational. It's that, it's that real. And we want to get that real. I want to read it from the message because I think the way Eugene Peterson writes it is amazing. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, ish, and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, not even a tornado, it collapsed like a house of cards. So it's challenger saying, Jesus challenger, build your house on a rock. Jesus who knew that even though he was deity himself, even though he's God, the devil came and challenged him. And, and what did he say? He says, actually, Matthew 4, in the temptation, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father's mouth. Every word. Oh, what even the ones that tell me to submit to authorities? Every word. Well, what, about, what about the words of how uh, my, my wife doesn't treat me well? Why should it? No, the Bible says lay your life down for your wife. I'm, I don't want to water it down. And we've got the pseudo-Christian counseling culture in the church where we seem more interested sometimes to make people feel good in the moment rather than building a life that lasts into a future. And we cannot do that. It won't change nations. It won't change lives. It'll pep you up for a little bit. It'll, it'll, it'll make us feel good about ourselves, but it doesn't change nations. Josiah found the word. He was a king that, that had walked away, and the nations had gone crazy, and there was idolatry through his land. And one of his guys, I think named Milka, was reading the word. He'd found the, the word, and he started reading the word, and the king heard him reading. And in his 18th year of reigning, he goes, that's it. And he starts to rip down the idols in a nation and bring peace in a nation, bring strength to a nation again. It just takes one moment of finding the word. When lost at the word, were you reading and it just stopped you in your tracks and realized, I'm wrong. 
and all my self-justification, all my pain that has come into my story and justified my actions, I'm wrong. So it says you're going to go on a building project, you're going to build your life. You're in debt right now, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. You're broken, you're full of pain. Oh, have you ever seen a building site? Welcome to the church. Because we look around, we see the walls, but when God looks, he says, I'm okay with it being a building site. There's more spaces in this wall than you've ever realized. I'm okay with that. It's called my grace. I'll let you build your life. Let's go. So you need an architect. You need the word of God. And I love it that you come to church. And I love that people pour into churches every Sunday. But there's got to be a personal journey in the word of God. I can't. If, if I were to say something else, I'm telling you, I'm destroying your building journey at the start. You need a master builder. You need the spirit of God. Say, God, I can't do this. I used to be the guy that would go alongside people who have teenagers and pray, hey, God, it'll be okay, and God's with you. Now I'm needing those guys in my life because I've got teenagers going, hey, let's pray with you. We need that. That's, we need the Spirit of God. We need the foundation that is the gospel. Why have we preached the gospel? Uh, someone said, oh, you, what series do you kick off? And, and sometimes in church we're tempted to do these like big movement things. Or, no, I could preach the gospel for the rest of my days from this pulpit, and I'm telling you, it would transform lives every time. You need a cornerstone. You've got to decide, is Jesus the cornerstone or he's just a good stone? Is Jesus a cornerstone or is he, is he just nice stone in your building? Because Jesus is the cornerstone, it means he is the plumb line for everything. And you don't go, well, this wall's, uh, uh, we, we put a track in for the gate. And I'll stand, the guy took a, a, a straight arm and he took it from the wall. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't ever take it from a wall. You've got to go to the cornerstone. And you pull it right across the property with one of those nice yellow lines. See, I'm learning a few things about building. Come to me, I'll give you a quote. Now, um, and, and, but because that's a straight line. Jesus doesn't move. He doesn't move. Economies rise and fall. Jesus doesn't move. Politicians rise and fall. Jesus doesn't move. So you need something in your life that doesn't move. And the only thing is Jesus. The only thing. And so we want to go on a journey of trusting the cornerstone, counting the cost, discipling people. And sometimes there's a cost. Discipling people. Going on the journey. You want that relationship, you've got to lay some things down. You want love? Don't give away what you shouldn't to buy something that you will not get from that process. Trust God. And let's do it in community. Count the cost. Build strong transformation and choose materials that are lost. So the question of 2024 is, what are you building and how are you building it? The storms will come. They will come. They'll come. Honesty, 2020, COVID, all of that is a gift to the church. It caused chaos in our world, but it shook the church. It shook all of us. And, and communities were shaken and everything was shaken. But it's got to incite a reaction inside of each of us. Where were you shaken? What insecurities rose up? Or was Jesus the cornerstone above pandemics? Above it all. So 2024, we're going on a journey. We're going to build our lives. And at some stage, maybe in the areas that we'll touch on and preach from the gospel, just his truth, maybe you're okay there, but I'm telling you for all of us, Every time we come to the world of God, we all fall short. 
We all do. So we need the Word of God to build. But here's what I look forward to. The businesses that will come out of this year. Not because we had a kingdom advancing yet, because we built lives. You build healthy people, healthy believers who trust God with Jesus the cornerstone. Watch the miracles that happen. Watch the miracles in marriages. The testimony of this year will be marriages restored. Marriages healed. Marriages walking, limping for the last 20 years, finding healing and wholeness. It's the testimonies we're after. And God will add. Why? Because where there's life, people will come. People will come. Won't you stand with me? Can I just say, we've thanked God, we've thanked people, we've releasing people, we've honored people, Wally and Shirley and those who have gone before. Just as a pastor in this church, we thank you for the incredible privilege. I was just driving with my wife here now, and this wasn't always the game plan for the Van Pletsen crew. I was standing talking to someone the other day, a businessman who doesn't know church, who doesn't know God. And um, he just couldn't understand our lives and decisions. I'm driving around this morning. I'm seeing faces of people that we love. I see that picture of the recovery group on the Monday night. I had the privilege of being here the other night and seeing the stories of restoration that have happened in this building when no one else was in the building. Seeing the faces of people who arrived here with their marriages on the rocks with barely a pulse. But community got to work, provided meals, provided safe spaces provided homes for children in seasons of difficult times, provided electricity and meters. So we can't always all see that, but it's alive. And it's Jesus. It's His grace and it's His power and it's goodness. And it's just the greatest privilege to be a pastor in this community. If you're saying, I don't know if I can trust, I don't know if I can get in, I'm asking you to trust Jesus. If you're saying, I like the church, but on my terms, I'm telling you, you're never going to receive the benefit of giving yourself, giving yourself to community. I did a funeral on Thursday in this hall for a lady I met in 2021. She's been here for the last three years, and we welcomed her onto a partnership three weeks ago. I met her in 2021. My first impression was this is the most amazing lady. Her name's Carla Ann Macy. Profound businesswoman, mother, wife, amazing lady, a lady of stature. And I thought, this is the most amazing lady. And I said, tell me a little bit more about Carl Ann. And then she told me in 2020 about her youngest son who passed away. And then a few months later, her husband who passed away in the middle of a pandemic. And I thought, God, what a privilege it's going to be to journey with this lady. And for the last three years, she stood at the back there, sat at the back very seldom ventured forward, worshiping amongst us. And a funeral for me is hard for those in the room, but not hard when I think about the person who's passed, if they've received Jesus. I believe in the gospel. I believe in eternity. I believe Jesus' blood never fails. And if you will allow him to be the rock of your life, you will see fruit you never imagined in and through your life. If you want Jesus to be the rock, I'm not much of a wordsmith, but I wrote something down as something of a declaration at the start of this year. And I know we need to finish. It's been a bit longer today, just as Vision Sunday. If you 
keen to make Jesus the bedrock. And you're saying there's chaos in my life. I don't know if I can pray that. I'm telling you, this is exactly why you should pray. Will you pray this with me and declare this with me? I'm going to read it and then you read after me. I declare. Come on, life changes. 10.30. We're awake now. I declare my commitment to building my life upon the teachings of Jesus Christ. To walk in His ways. To live according to His word. I desire no other than Jesus as my God. Jesus as my strength. And Jesus as my source of hope. I will seek to embody His love. Compassion. And grace in all that I do. I will build my house on the rock of ages that never fails me. I will build my house on the rock of ages that never fails me. Jesus, build your church. We trust you, God. Jesus, build your church. We give you glory and honor. Jesus, what a privilege it is to be a part of your bride. I pray every heart would find the courage and the strength and the ability to surrender and to submit to your glory, your strength, your vision for their stories as you knit them into a family that is on the move. Continue to build your church, God, and get all the glory, get all the honor, get all the praise. We trust you. We trust you. We'll build our lives. Let's worship one more time as we land this morning.